You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 144. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 144. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering super mom, Tori Henderson. Hello, super moms. How are you? I'm doing great. I am in New Orleans. I decided to tag along on my husband's business conference. But I did not expect it to be Mardi Gras. I thought Mardi Gras started like a couple weeks later from now. And it's starting. There are parades in the streets and people are getting all decked out. And it's pretty cool. I've never been before. This is my first time in New Orleans. And I'm finding I I dig the city more than I expected to. I really enjoy the fact that it's sort of been a melting pot since the very beginning of different cultures and religions and just people coming from all over different languages being spoken. And I really like that. <laughs> I guess that's kind of how I felt in the Bay Area growing up too, that you just see how accepted every all the different backgrounds are and how they sort of meld together and create some new cool stuff. So Anyways, that's my perception of it. I've only been here two days. <laughs> so it's been interesting. And I am excited because when I get back, I've got my time for the talk class starting. So if you have a nine to 12 year old or a young 13 year old, uh, and you think they are ready to have the talk, the birds and the bees, sex, puberty, all the changes that middle school provides, all the education that middle schoolers provide. It's always best to, I think, get ahead of it before they get like if they're in fifth grade and they're going to have some fifth grade sex ed. I like, I think it's, I advise parents to have the conversation beforehand so that your kids learn that you are the person to talk to if they have questions. And it's not so much about disseminating facts because your kids could find that anywhere, but it's about showing your kids that you are okay with this subject and that you can handle difficult topics so that throughout adolescence, if they have any questions, problems, concerns, they can come to you. So make sure you go to timeforthetalk.com to sign up for the class, but there's also a free webinar that you can sign up for to watch. And I will include that in the show notes here so that you can learn all about it before you sign up with your nine to 12 year old. So the class starts February 15th is the parent night, uh, parents only. And we'll just, it'll be a kind of a preview of the class and we'll answer questions, talk about what we're going to talk about, (laughs) go over the topics. And then with the kids, it starts the following Wednesday. So timeforthetalk.com if you are interested. And it's very timely because the question that I got from Nicole this week is sort of on par. She's asking how much involvement is too much when it comes to teenage dating and friendships. She has a 13-year-old and she's just wondering like, how much guidance do I give? And so let's dive in to today's question. 
how do I guide my son as he enters and navigates the world of dating and new friendships? We recently started a new school at age 13, and he is spending his time with a new group of kids. I want to teach him to look for healthy relationships, both in dating and friendships, but I also want him to be aware of signs of toxic behavior, jealousy, attention-seeking girls, trust, morals, etc. We live in a socially media-obsessed, poor emotional communication skills world. Oh, Nicole, are you seeing what I'm seeing? It's post-COVID. It wasn't great before. It was definitely declining with everyone um, being on their phones and texting instead of looking people in the eye. But yes, COVID has definitely um, made social and emotional communication less, I don't know, we've regressed instead of progressed in that department. So um, Nicole says, sometimes it seems like I'm the only one still trying to guide him through this age. I'm hoping to prevent false friendships or frenemy types relationships. I want him to recognize when someone is a genuine good friend without me giving too much input. When my kids were younger, I would interject freely as needed for guidance. With the new school and the big peer change, I feel conflicted on how much involvement is too much mom involvement. All right. A good, great question. I think that all moms sort of uh, dabble with at this age, right? Like how much is too much? How much do I get involved? And then when you watch other people, that's usually how we gauge it, right? Like if the other moms aren't doing it, am I doing too much? Am I, are they doing not enough? How do I know? Excellent question. So today's parent educator answer, I'm going to answer the question of how to guide teenagers to make good relationship choices. And then we'll get into the life coaching answer, okay? So the first one is how do I guide my teen or my preteen to make good relationship choices? Well, I like to think that it's easy to impart our wisdom and guide our teens when they come to us with specific problems or complaints about friendships. So if our kid comes to us and says, Diego invited me to his birthday party, but he didn't invite Sam. Now, Sam just asked me to hang out this Saturday during Diego's birthday party. What should I do? If they come to us with a specific problem like that, then it's like an invitation to help, right? We can give our guidance. We can offer advice. We can share what would I do in that situation. And so it's a lot simpler. If our kid says, Kylie keeps texting me asking why I'm not texting her back. It's getting super annoying. How do I get her to leave me alone? By the way, that is a very common complaint from uh, middle school boys about girls, especially texting them. So for a mom who wants to guide her kids' social relationships, this is music to the ears, a real-life situation, and a kid who is asking mom for advice. So the best way for me to answer Nicole's question, how do I guide my teen to make good choices, is to help get Nicole into a position where her kid comes to her for help with real-life problems. So opening up the lines of communication between parents and tweens, that is the main purpose of my Time for the Talk class. When you show your kids you can talk about sexuality in a relaxed and open way, they learn that you are open to talking about other difficult topics as well. So 
this class that I'm teaching it starts this week, the 15th, and with kids the following week, it's the only one I'm teaching this year. So if you're interested, go to timeforthetalk.com because that is the purpose of the class. So let's look at it this way. A 13-year-old's job is to fire their parent, to communicate to their parent or parents in words and actions, your work here is done. I have internalized everything you taught me over the last 13 years. You are now a very loud voice in my head that will never go away. (laughs) Now I need to make room for other voices inside my head. I want to make room for what my teachers and coaches have to say. I want to hear what my favorite authors and idols have to say. I want to make room for my friends' opinions and those I follow on social media. I still want to know what you think about the complex decisions I have to make that are coming up soon during my adolescent years. But I want to have some new experiences and I want to have room to learn from my mistakes. I want your input, but I want to come to my own conclusions about what I think and believe to be true and right for me. So that's sort of the teenager's inner dialogue that their job, okay? They're not thinking this, but this is basically what they're trying to communicate through their behavior, through when they roll their eyes and they shut their door and they you know, don't want to hear what we have to say and they don't take our advice. That's basically why, because they say, your work here is done. Your voice is already in my head. I already can predict everything you're going to say. I know what you think, but now I need to make room for some other voices, (laughs) including my own, to help me decide what I think, right? So a 13-year-old's job is to fire their parent. A parent's job is to earn a place at the board of directors table, to demonstrate to your child that you can provide wisdom and guidance when asked, to show your kid that you're willing and available to discuss difficult topics while also respecting their journey and allowing mistakes to be made without overreacting or futurizing, catastrophizing, (laughs) worrying, making it about you, all that other stuff, right? 13 years old is the perfect age for parents to switch from being the authoritative parent, the one who has all the answers and tells the kid what to do, to being your child's coach. The coach is there to help the child get what they want, right? Like that's my job as the life coach. I don't have an agenda for your life but I can help you get in touch with what you want and then help you get it. So that's the role of a coach. I'm here to help you get what you want and to know what it is you want. And as a parent, I am here to help my kids get what they want and to help them know what they want, right? Not just in the immediate right now, like I want three beignets before dinner kind of want, but what do I want? out of my life in general. So that's a coach's role. So the coach has been through it before and now has an outsider's perspective and can offer wisdom and experience to the player, right? The coach isn't on the field playing the game, but they are the one to turn to when things get tough 
or when your kid can't see the forest for the trees, right? We sometimes we get lost inside our own habits, our own stories inside our head. And a coach has that outsider's perspective to help us see things we can't see for ourselves. The coach doesn't worry about the player on the field because they know that failing, losing, and getting hurt are all part of the process of working towards their goals. So Nicole's problem in this situation, the reason she is struggling is because there are no real problems to solve yet, right? She's wanting to get ahead of it and guide them before they're in a real life difficult situation saying, mom, what do I do? Because I feel like if they were, then she would be able to guide them and then she would have an answer to her own question. So what can Nicole do in the meantime? While there are no real problems to solve, she wants to take a seat at the board of directors table. She wants to be a coach and a guide and not the parent telling them what's right and wrong. So what can she do is she can talk about her own friendship struggles. How do I handle it when I've said yes to a social engagement and then at the last minute I decide I really don't want to attend? Do I lie to them? Do I make up a story? Do I tell them the truth? Do I learn from it and next time decide not to commit until I'm absolutely sure that I can go? What do I say to my friends who are needy or passive aggressive or like, I miss you. I never get to see you anymore. Or they're always texting and you don't text them. Like, how do you handle that? When you find out that you've been left out of a social gathering, there was a party and you didn't get invited. Can you talk out loud to your kid about what that feels like and how you handled it? How do you handle it when friends share inappropriate content with you? So this was the perfect example. I was teaching um, in front of an audience doing a speaking presentation at a middle school. And we were talking about teaching your kids to uh, how to handle like inappropriate content online, right? Like someone, someone sends you something you don't want to see that maybe isn't appropriate. How do you handle that? And so I asked the parents if anyone had had that situation where somebody maybe sent them a text or an inappropriate email. And this dad says, yes, that he's got this friend that's always sending him sexually inappropriate content to his email. And I said, what did you, how did you handle that? And he said, he told his friend to stop sending it to his work email. And I said, oh, that's so interesting. You didn't ask him to stop sending it to you altogether. You just said, don't send it to my work because I don't want to get caught and that's inappropriate, but you can send it to my personal. Like that's the same situation that your 13-year-old son is going to find themselves in. And so it was such a great like opportunity for this dad to realize that he could model for his kid to say, dude, that's gross. Don't send that to me. I don't want to see that. And how to kind of verbalize that in an appropriate way and share that with the kid because the kid is getting inundated with the same content and he doesn't know how to say, I don't want to see that while still sounding cool in front of his friends. So we are constantly having these situations that are really great role modeling for our kids. And so you might already 
be role modeling how to have healthy social relationships for your kids. You might not have to do anything different, or you just might need to or want to talk out loud about the conflicts and the challenges that you're having socially so that your kid can learn from you good ways to handle it. Relationships are messy. There's no perfect way to navigate through every social situation, but when you're open and you can discuss them without judgment of right, wrong, good, bad, then your child will learn that you are the perfect person to come to when struggles emerge. Today's life coaching answer, what gets in our way from becoming our child's coach instead of the parent? In other words, what keeps us from the neutral, emotionally detached seat at the board of directors table? And I believe it is two main common ones. I'm sure there's a hundred, but there's two that seem to come up over and over over again with my clients, which is one, fear of being a bad mom, and two, fear of losing our role in our child's life. There is a sneaky little cultural belief that has slipped into our subconscious minds, causing us to worry about our kids. This pervasive cultural belief sounds like a good mom should prevent her child from negative emotions and negative experiences. Or if my child gets involved in a toxic relationship, I have somehow failed as his mother. When we think it's our job to prevent problems from occurring, we get attached to the outcome. We care too much about making sure our child has only positive experiences and relationships. When our child gets caught up in a frenemy situation, we think we've failed to do our job properly. We don't want to fail So we try to prevent our kids from having negative experiences. It's this self-fulfilling cycle that sort of gets us stuck in a trap. When we try to guide and educate our kids from fear, fear of us failing, fear of something bad happening, them having a negative emotion, whatever, all those fears, it comes across to our teens as, I don't trust you to make good decisions on your own. Or... I don't trust that the last 10 years of my teachings has been enough. Or I don't trust your friends to be nice to you or for you to be able to handle it without my help. When we worry instead of trust, it closes off communication with our children. It either makes our kids not want to come to us with problems because they don't want us to worry or they don't want us to trust, not trust them, right? They want our trust. And so it makes them not want to come to us because they're afraid that we're going to worry. Or it makes our kids scared of getting into relationships altogether because all we're doing is telling them about all the bad things that could happen and watch out for this and don't trust that and be wary. And they start to pick up on our fear. So Either way, it shuts down communication and prevents us from becoming that like seat at the board of directors table, that coach. So the other obstacle that gets in our way uh, is a fear of losing our role as mom. It sounds like Nicole has been very involved in her son's life, his education. I noticed she says, we changed schools, right? Like a 
that age, it certainly feels like a we because you're doing the driving and you've probably been involved in the school life and the social life for 13 years. Like this has been your life as well as your son's. And so when we've built so much of our life and our identity around being a mom, it's really scary to let go of it. And so in fact, in my Leading Your Teen coaching program, we devote significant time to letting go of the role and the involvement that we've had on this day-to-day basis because it's such a big obstacle to helping us become the moms we want to be to our adolescents is this sort of holding on to the role we've had in their past, right? So when we want to stay as involved as we were when they were children, it kind of prevents us from being the moms we want to be while they're teens. The antidote to worry is trust. But in order to access it, we have to shake off the belief that our job as moms is to prevent our children from having negative experiences. We also need to let go of the wonderful time we had raising our kid to make room for the experience of raising an adolescent whose job it is to make mistakes. So remind yourself that unsavory social relationships are a part of life. When kids enter into toxic relationships, they get a quick lesson in what they don't want suddenly making it very clear and important what they do want. These unhealthy relationships help us appreciate the healthy ones, and they make us determined to make smart choices with future friends and future romantic partners. Today's Supermom Kryptonite. Waiting until your kid leaves the house to rediscover yourself. Rediscover is such a good word. It means to discover something again that has been ignored or forgotten. When your child turns 13 or starts pushing you away or starts yearning for separation and independence, it is the perfect time to rediscover the sides of yourself that got buried while parenting. If we wait, until our children turn 18, or we wait until they're out of the house, we run the risk of parenting from fear. Fear of not being needed. Fear of an empty life. Fear of losing our identity as mom. Fear, unchecked, turns into need, dependency, and control. When we need our kids to stay dependent on us, it makes us dependent on them which does not feel good. When we feel we are losing control, we cling more tightly, making our kids push us even further and harder away. They want less input, less advice, because they are so hungry for independence. So waiting until your kid leaves the house to rediscover yourself is today's super mom kryptonite. Start now. Start while you are still entrenched in the day-to-day busyness of raising a teenager. Because at 13, they're still quite dependent on you. You have to drive them everywhere, right? So think back to the time before you had kids. What did you used to do for fun? And is there a way you can start incorporating that into your life now? 
Now you might say, Tori, there is no way. I am too busy. Maybe you used to wait tables and really enjoyed that. Or you used to go out dancing in nightclubs to pick up on hotties before you had kids. And you're like, Tori, I don't, I don't want to do that now. <laughs> that is not how I want to use my spare time. I don't want to start waiting tables again. Well, watch out for that voice because that naysayer voice is going to keep you stuck, but don't let it. Instead, get general. Go broad instead of specific. Instead of thinking, I need to start going out to nightclubs to pick up hotties or start waiting tables again, ask yourself, uh, what about that activity was most enjoyable? Was it the dancing? Well, there's plenty of ways you can go dancing now. You can incorporate it into exercise programs. So, or you go out with your friends. There's so many different ways. Um, was it that you liked like getting dressed up with your girlfriends, like the getting ready to go out? Was that the fun part? Was it the excitement and being in a crowded place? Well, if so, then Mardi Gras is the place for you because everybody's getting dressed up and there's lots of excitement. So you can go to Mardi Gras. Did you love the unpredictability before you had kids where you would like get dressed up for a night out on the town and not even know how it was going to end up? You know, just maybe you would go hopping from place to place. Maybe you miss the unpredictability of life before you had kids and being spontaneous. Well, you can do that now. You can pick a day, drive to a new location, and instead of making plans, just let the day unfold. Just do whatever you feel like doing in that moment. So you can start incorporating things into your life now from before you had kids so that when your kids leave the nest, it will sting less. (laughs) When you reconnect now to what used to be fun before kids, it will make it a smoother transition. Start building a life that is more you-focused and less kid-focused. Your teen will enjoy the reduced pressure that your, your attention on him can sometimes offer, sometimes without even realizing it, just by f- focusing on kids and putting our attention on them. They feel like sort of under a spotlight, which may not feel good. If, you're, if your kid gets in the car and you're like, how was your day? Tell me everything. And they don't want to tell you everything. They may not want that kind of attention. So if you're focused on yourself and what's fun for you, then your teen might enjoy that. They might enjoy seeing you try new things for a change instead of just them. You might grow in new and uncomfortable ways and like meet new friends or try a new class that you've never tried before. And they might like seeing you doing what they're doing, which is growing in new and uncomfortable directions. You can share embarrassing stories with your kids of what it felt like to put yourself out there and get rejected. Role modeling instead of lecturing is so much more powerful. So today's super um, kryptonite is to not wait until your kids are out of the house, but rediscover the part of you that got buried during parenting so that you can diversify your joy. When parenting isn't the only source of joy and purpose, it makes it easier to let go and trust your kid to come to you if he needs help. Today's Supermom Power Boost is listening to your gut. We cannot prevent our kids from negative emotions, negative people, negative experiences, 
nor maybe should we, but we can help them learn to trust their gut. Listening to your intuition, that still quiet voice in your head, trusting your gut, those are very abstract terms for our very literal kids. So to make it more concrete and teach them what this gut thing's all about, point out what you see and hear. I notice you laugh more when Dante is around. Whenever you sleep over at Reese's house, you seem extra cranky the next day. You're just making observations and allowing the kids to draw conclusions from that. That you smile and laugh more with one friend and you're extra cranky with the other. And you're just pointing out what you see. I notice you have the same complaint about basketball every year. Just pointing that out to them can help them learn about themselves. I can't help but notice how you light up during drama practice. You are walking on clouds every time you walk out of that theater. Our brains can talk us into anything. They can spin stories around our head. But our bodies show the truth. Pointing out what we see in our kids' bodies or in the things that we notice about them can cut through their mental clutter and help them to know the truth. When they do come to you asking advice, what should I do about so-and-so? Try asking them questions in return. Well, what do you like about it? If you said yes, what would be your reason? If you said no, what would be your reason? Do you like your reasons? What is your gut telling you? What do you know to be true about you? Asking questions can help your child tune into their intuition and their instinctual intelligence. Today's quote of the day, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. All right, super moms, if you are interested in time for the talk, leading your teen, or just life coaching in general, it's a great way to learn how to coach your teen, because that's kind of what this today's episode was about, is how do I become the life coach for my teenager? Well, having somebody model that and coach you is a really great way to start internalizing some of those skill sets. So I invite you to just go to lifecoachingforparents.com. You can schedule a free discovery call or sign up for my classes at timeforthetalk.com or leadingyourteen.com. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.